welcome to this episode of the Motherkind Podcast. It's me, your host, Zoe. I am so excited you are here. This is the show that is going to help you ride the emotional roller coaster that is motherhood with far more ease, confidence, and connection. This week's guest is Michelle Kennedy. She is the founder and CEO of Peanut, which you've probably heard of, is one of the fastest growing social networking apps for women. This is actually the second time Michelle has been on the podcast. And the reason for that is not only do I love Michelle, but she also has the most incredible vantage point on motherhood because every day she runs Peanut, the app where millions of conversations are taking place about what matters to us, our pain points, what we struggle with and where we need more support. So one of these incredible insights that Michelle and her team had was around how invisible we can feel as mothers. In fact, Michelle and her team asked nearly 4,000 mothers about feeling invisible. And this is what they learned. 72% of women feel invisible in their motherhood journey with 93% feeling unappreciated, unacknowledged or unseen. And I think all of us I know I can relate to feeling those things at points in my motherhood. So if you feel that way now, or if you felt that way, you are absolutely not alone. This is the right episode for you because we're going to unpack where that comes from and importantly, what we need to do about it. You are going to want to listen to this one. It's incredibly empowering. And a quick favor before we dive into it, you would have discovered this podcast by someone sharing it with you because we don't advertise it. So someone shared it on Instagram. They might've told you about it at the school gates or the nursery gates. You might've seen it shared in a WhatsApp group. Can you pay it forward? If someone shared it with you, can you share it with someone else today? So tell someone about it, send a link in your mum's WhatsApp group or pop it on your social media because I know that together is how we will reach every single mother who deserves and needs to hear these empowering conversations. Here is this week's episode. I hope you love it. Michelle, well, welcome back to Motherkind because I was scrolling back into the archives this morning and we last spoke six years ago. Unbelievably, you're one of my early guests because I just adored Peanut and I was like, I have to get the woman on who's behind this. So I'm so excited to talk about what's changed in your world and you know hear more about what it's been like for you these past six years. It was, do you know what? It was so interesting because I, I never thought that I would have a second child, actually. It was never something that I, I'm an only child. And so I never really thought that that was kind of in our plan. And for various reasons, it just wasn't one of those um, kind of things that I thought we would have. And then Nula came along and um, the pregnancy was a very, very hard pregnancy. I was very sick, even more sick than I was with Finn throughout from from the moment I found I was pregnant and to, really until I had her, um, I was very sick. And when you have a business and a four-year-old, that is um, quite taxing. I found that to be one of those moments where because it's number two, everyone just thinks, well, you've done it before. How bad can it be? You know what you're doing. You're not, you know, and 
I honestly, I, I felt very, I found it very, very difficult because um, you feel like you can't say anything. You don't want to complain. You don't want to, you know, be honest about how you're feeling because you have done it before and surely, you know, it's just the same, but it's not, it, you know, it's not always the same and it certainly wasn't. It was a very hard pregnancy. Plus I was fundraising for the company. So as you say, we were growing. I was having investor pitches. I was vomiting in on the side of the road on the way to investor meets, walking into investor meets, you know, we're, we're a bit more advanced and progressive in our thinking now, but you have to remember that four and a half, five and a half years ago, um, I was covering up the fact that I was pregnant because I didn't think that investors would want to back a pregnant founder. And I do think we've progressed from there, but I, I felt very, very pressured at the time. So I didn't want people to think, well, I'm going to invest in her and, you know, she's not dedicated or caring about the business. But I did at least have peanut to use for myself. So I did have a lot of conversations around sickness and HV and what we could do about it. And, you know, tr- you, you will try anything at that point. I mean, you really, you are so unwell. And then Nula came along and uh, she was early um, because the placenta had stopped being effective. So they delivered her early. Um, and so she came out, she was tiny. She's still tiny. She's such a little dinky girl, but, um, she was, she was really small and there were so many different things. Feeding was so much easier. It was incredible. It was that moment that I had expected with Finn and hadn't had. That was a very easy thing. Um, and honestly, I felt like she was asleep for the first month. I think cause she was so small. She just, just didn't really wake up. Um, and then she started to wake up and it was summer. So everything felt a bit different. It was just very different. What I think I didn't really understand or appreciate is I still had a business to run and I still had Finn's life to run. And here I am with this tiny person who then just became strapped to me because it was much easier just to make her portable than stop anything else. So she would come to the office, you know, I would was very obsessed with making sure that Finn was um, carrying on and nothing like changed for him. I felt very much like, don't dare say anything about this amazing moment. Of course, I was so lucky to have her and we are so lucky to have her, but um, don't dare say anything because you've done this before and people just don't want to hear it from you, Michelle, because that can't be your whole shtick that, you know, you talk about just motherhood being hard all the time um but it it was it was challenging um to get that balance right I have huge amounts of regret and guilt about Nula because I was so madly into the business I don't think she got as much of my new mom brain and energy and you know let me show you this book or let I don't think she got that I think she just got come on kid get into the carrier we're going to this meeting or, and, and I, I feel very guilty about that still. How are you going to let that go? Really hard one to answer that. I don't know. I try and make up for it now. I think she probably is like, can you leave me alone? Um, <laughs> I'm always like, no, where are you going? Um, I, I, I don't know is the answer to that. And then we went into COVID, you know, she was eight months and we went into lockdown and life changed completely again. And, you know, she, w- she was very late in speaking. She spoke much later than Finn, um, probably in no small part due to COVID. 
you know, I had that toddler who went up to lampposts and put her hands out to get hand sanitizer because she was so used to getting hand sanitizer from everywhere. It was that kind of um, thing. And she hadn't played with another baby. And Finn was busy on Zoom all day doing homeschool. I do feel quite guilty about a lot of that early time. Um, I was navigating running a business through COVID even as the business, we had to change positioning, right? No one wanted to meet in real life. Peanut's all about like helping you find friends. And all of a sudden it was like, okay, so no one wants that anymore because we're legally not allowed. So how do we support you? Because you're having the worst time ever. You know, mothers were so impacted by COVID. We're still suffering, right? We're, we're still like paying the price of that. And we were so overlooked. The invisible labor that we had as a consequence of COVID was extraordinary because everyone was at home. You had everything and not just the care for your family, the care, your immediate family, the care for your elders, extended family. The saints have their prescription. Have they got shopping arriving? Are they okay? Have they seen anyone? Like, have they had a walk out? You know, have they had their hour walking or whatever it is? So exponentially the pressure rose for mothers and um yeah very very difficult time and it's so like that word invisible is just the word isn't it because it is so invisible and I think COVID did a little bit you know make some of that invisible more visible about the labor that does go into you know running at home and being on the schedule and but you know the 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 studies are just mind-blowing aren't they that it put us equality back 50 years it's going to take 50 years to catch up on where we were um from the impact of covid obviously with the great resignation and yeah i mean it's just it's staggering tell me about that word invisible like you've said it a few times invisibility is such a taboo thing to say because feeling invisible is a really difficult admission because is it reflective on you? Is it reflective on people around you? Is it reflective on society? What does it actually mean to feel invisible? And there will be moments of our life when we've all felt it, where we've all had that moment of, yeah, I don't feel seen. Or, you know, I've been in a meeting, I've been at the school gates, I've been, you know, wherever, I've been in a bar, and we've all had that moment, but they're usually fleeting. I think what's really interesting to me particularly around these kind of key womanhood moments is those moments of invisibility are longer lasting and they're compounding because they happen more frequently and they happen sometimes when you're least expecting it um and you have that moment of oh god no one sees me like no one can see either the damage they're causing by what they're doing or no one can see me for me or and so invisibility is something that I, even me, loudmouth, find hard to admit and say, yeah, I have moments of feeling like completely unseen and invisible. So for us, we started to see conversations like that on Peanut and it was very prevalent. I definitely felt that invisibility in my first matrescence, my first daughter. And I went from, you know, working in marketing, as you know, in the city, like, you know, very visible, felt very seen, very appreciated by my business and by my clients. And and then suddenly I found myself sort of sat in a living room with my boobs out trying to feed for three months. And all the questions became about the baby and the baby's sleep and 
very little about me and you know I think even my partner was confused about what I did did quote unquote all day because it's so invisible it's so invisible that hours spent trying to get the latch right or the hours spent sterilizing bottles or researching you know formulas or or feed or sleep or you know there's so, it's it's a very invisible labor you have nothing to quote unquote show for it I've never felt more invisible in my life really uh, 100% and you walk in anywhere you've just managed to leave the house you walk anywhere and what is visible is the pushchair what is visible is the little person who's in the pram or the little person who's in the holder but oftentimes people didn't even make eye contact with me you know that feeling where they they look at your pushchair or your pram or they look at you know your baby in the holder but they don't look at you and that can be in a variety of different situations as well that can be when um you know women are going through their own fertility journey and they're going through a very very challenging moment and you don't see beneath the clothes you don't know what's going on you don't know that that woman has had to just be grabbing her skin her own flesh and injecting herself with hormones daily um, and eating certain foods and being restrictive and, you know, and, and by the way, that's not even talking about the impact that those hormones have on your body, whether that's physically or emotionally, um, and the psychological and mental pressure of what you're doing and the end result that you're trying to get. Well, no one sees that's invisible. It is truly the case that the more we can talk about it, show it, support people who do show it, the less invisible it becomes. Because the more you do have that mentality of, I actually don't know what that person's going through right now. You know that you, you see it on greeting cards or whatever, never judge You know what people are going through or you, you actually don't know. Um, and so you see a woman who is breastfeeding in a coffee shop and you think, oh, that's so nice. And maybe, you know, it probably is so nice, but maybe that woman hasn't slept. And she is exhausted and she's touched out and she is so needed, but she also feels like she needs something too. And just to acknowledge what that, everything that encompasses that is so powerful and it's so important because she's not just mum, she's her. 100%. And I, th- I feel like that that shift is coming, you know, partly because of the work, the incredible work that you do, um, at peanut and other platforms, you know, I'd probably include us in that. Like that shift is, that shift is, is I can feel it. This idea that I think historically being a mother has been a single identity. We've been expected to martyr ourselves in the name of our children, put ourselves last. And that was kind of, you know, that seventies, eighties, you know, parenting, that was that's and I feel like that's changing now and that we are getting this idea about actually we need to be models and not martyrs and actually uh, we need well mothers in order to be amazing parents are you seeing that that shift like when you were out talking about this amazing campaign that peanut did where you spoke to 3,600 mothers and you know when I read that campaign I got chills Michelle because it felt so validating you know 93% of mothers saying they feel unseen underappreciated 97% saying they feel pressure to do it all 
And 94% saying they feel expected to put themselves last. It's mind blowing, isn't it? But it's true. I think everyone listening will have had, will resonate with that experience. I can give you an example. So we we did this campaign because we could see women talking about it in various guises. We wanted to understand like what what is it that you feel? When is it that you feel most like that? Are there key moments in the motherhood journey that make you feel like that? Um, and and also importantly, what can we do societally? What messages can we push to help you feel less like that? Because also invisibility really does drive loneliness, right? And as soon as you feel very alone, it's very difficult to pull yourself out of that, to, to feel worthy enough to make relationships and connections. And so it's all very, very linked. Um, so we really wanted to do a study to say, look, let's do a study on how this is impacting women. But then also let's try and think about what changes we can make to, to, to make that impact. So we have done that and we wanted to show it. We created these beautiful images um, which really kind of articulate some of those feelings. And that's Peanut. And still, on Sunday, um, uh, I got a push notification for Peanut for someone in a group saying, I've had a really rough time at the moment. And she talked about some of the experiences she's had. And her partner told her to go and book a weekend in a spa, hotel, whatever. Um, and she feels so guilty. What's the opinion of the group? Should she go? And my heart, firstly, amazing partner, well done, love him, like, congratulations. And, you know, and, and he had sent her some links. She was saying, here's what, here's the links he suggested, whatever. And I felt so, I, and I, you know, sometimes I engage in peanut. Often I, I, you know, just try not to freak people out by people being like, oh my God, the CEO's on here. Um, so I try not to, but I had to reply and say, you know what they say on the aeroplane, put your mask on first right he's absolutely right and you should go and know there is no reason for you to feel guilty so even at the times when some of the um, pressures of that invisible and what's really invisible is the feeling that you have in trying to make change even when those around you are trying to support you to make change and I think that can be really really hard too This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stresses, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. And therapy is a space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. Therapy is just an incredible, safe, non-judgmental space. I absolutely love it. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule, which I think as busy mums is what we all need. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash motherkind today and get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash motherkind. some of those beliefs that you've 
come up against that you've had to reprogram yourself so that you can put that oxygen mask on so you can put yourself closer to the top of the pile so interesting because it's all for me I think it's all about um who makes you feel that way and then you can own your narrative right if you if you really like assess is it me that's making myself like where do I feel the most pressure from but also where do I feel the most unseen and that if I verbalize these you know oh I I have this guilt or whatever that people won't understand um what's really surprising I think is that 60% of women said that the most kind of the biggest driver of those feelings is friends and family friends and family so yes social media is in there yes that you know they're but friends and family, well, actually, those are conversations that are within our control. We can have those conversations. We, I can't control what you see on Instagram, um, but I can control, you can direct a narrative. So that, for me, is a really, really surprising statistic. When I think about that in the context of my own life, yeah, that's true, isn't it? Because where do you get that greatest amount of peer pressure or that greatest amount of am I enoughness? Um, or am I doing the right thing? Well, you're comparing yourself constantly with the people closest around you. It's surprising that that's where it's coming from, but it's also very, very challengeable. Yeah, and in a way, like you say, you know, I always think about two columns, you know, can't control, can control. That's kind of in the, we can control our part of that. So like, you know, that mum, we can we can take that weekend away. We can advocate for our needs. We can't control control the people around us reaction to that and I think I'm wondering do you see this on on peanut as well with all the thousands of conversations that are happening is that kind of friction between the generations because I think you know our mothers their mothers you know it was very different in terms of we've got more working mothers than at any other point in history. And I think that brings with it just these huge tensions and frictions around, okay, so who does do the school pickup? Who does put the washing up? Who does do the meal planning? And I think our generation of mothers are in this kind of sandwich generation where we're a lot of us working and the dynamics at home with the domestic and emotional labor haven't caught up do you see that tell me your perspective because you've just got this amazing vantage point you're right we have a lens right so we can see where women are really struggling where they really find these issues I always talk about it as like a social barometer because we know what matters to women because they're already talking about it on peanut before it's even mainstream media because what do you do when something's impacting you I tell you before I, you know, before a journalist picks up on it and tells the world, like I, you're, you're telling people who are in your, your life and, and your, um, who you need support from. So yes, we absolutely are that barometer and we see it on peanut. My personal view is that we are at a very interesting point for kind of feminism today. Um, and as a reminder, if we think about feminism being about equality, it's not anything more than that. We're in a very, very difficult position because our mothers' mothers didn't work, rarely. Our mothers might have worked, but they won't have necessarily had the same integration into the workplace as we absolutely do. Um, And then we've got a generation who are coming behind us 
who also have completely different experiences around what work means. So we're in this really interesting point. Um, and Catherine Ryan, if anyone ever listens to Catherine Ryan, she's hilarious and very funny, but she talks a lot about this. And it, it's a really interesting one because we are really in a sandwich. We are kind of expected to be contributing um, economically in a way that we never have before um, to society. We are in everything that, you know, this country, let alone globally, they are predicting in terms of what our GDP is, for example. Guess what? Who's contributing to that? Women in the workplace. There's an assumption about that. And yet we don't have the structural changes needed to support that. You know, we know that childcare is a problem. We know that there is an issue with kind of getting those infrastructures in place. And society's views and opinions haven't caught up. So you will still find that um, the primary carer role is ultimately expected to be us. So that um, your partner will have your child. And, you know, I have often heard someone say to my husband, oh, you're babysitting. It's not babysitting, they're his children. So it's not babysitting when I have them. It's certainly not babysitting when he has them, right? There is this change um, that is needed in terms of our expectations there as well. So yes, we're in a difficult position. Yes, we are in like a sandwich. We don't have a good example of what it looks like necessarily going forward. We haven't made the change for the generation coming behind. And um, we've got all of that pressure because we still are contributing and expected to. And we've still been told, have it all, do it all, be it all. With what? To help us. And that, let's go back to the word invisible, but that really makes you feel invisible, right? Because if you're like, well, hang on, I, I'm actually meant to be doing this. I, I'm meant to be good at it, aren't I? Like someone somewhere's told me that I should be back at work. So other people must be making it work. It must just be me. And where do you sit with the having it all because a lot of people Michelle will look at you from the outside and they will see someone who is a CEO of an incredible you know social business with big investors you know celebrity investors making you know waves in the world two kids partner beautiful home you know you always look gorgeous a lot of people would look at you and think she has it all what is your internal experience of having it all I mean, I will always be so honest about this. And and I, again, we don't talk about it because, you know, perhaps it doesn't really portray the, the real story. But you, I can't do what I do without a support system in place. I have a complete support system in place. I have childcare. Um, I have a, people that I work with. I think of running my house like running my business in order to do that. I, I resource accordingly. I wouldn't try and run my business just with me. I couldn't do that. And I think about my home in the same way. Now, that is extraordinary privilege. And there are women who will listen to this and be like, well, that's great that you've got childcare, you've got a nanny, and you can do those things. Absolutely, that's extraordinary privilege. And that's why we have to make that more accessible to everyone. But that is the position that you know, I am very, very fortunate to find myself in, but I won't ever pretend that I'm doing it all. I'm not, I'm not doing it all. That, that I, 
it's impossible for me to do it all. So if my daughter today has a club after school, you know, great, I can go and get Finn, no worries. But but largely speaking, when I'm working, I'm working. And that is, I don't have that responsibility for childcare because I can only do one thing because you cannot have it all. And that is extremely important. And it's really incumbent on anyone who has childcare or who has support systems to talk about that so that people who don't, don't feel like, oh God, well, why am I getting it wrong? And her life looks like that. No, people have that support and that infrastructure. What we need to do in order to make that um, more universally applicable, because not everyone is in the same situation. And I have an extraordinary privilege in that respect. And I'm aware of that. Um, what we need to do is make accessibility um, for all more known about and more universal. You know, the government has new schemes coming into place from April, existing schemes already in place um, in the UK to help with this, to help with giving access to childcare. And um, we need to, we actually, if we have to let more women know about that. There is, there is optionality. And by the way, it's not just about more childcare to return to work, dot, dot, dot. You know, it's more childcare, more access to infrastructure and support. And so um, I'm really, really passionate about being completely, I'll always be honest. Also, don't believe what you see on social, that people are highlighting the most curated best parts of their life. That's not reality. You know, no one can see, hear this and see that I'm sitting in my pyjamas on the bottom half, but I've done my makeup for you. Like, you know, that's the reality. Don't believe the edited highlights because they are just like flipping through a magazine. What you don't see behind that image in the magazine is all of the runners and the photographer and the makeup artist and whatever. You should treat social media and, and the stories that people tell as very much the same. You don't see everything that's going on behind the scenes, but I'll always be honest about that because I am unable to do what I do without that support. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, we also need to talk more about the emotional cost of that. Because, you know, I know many mothers, you know, burnout is, you know, we are kind of known as the burnout generation of mothers. Burnout in motherhood is higher than it's ever been since they started looking at it. And I think that's a really real cost, isn't it, of this message of, you know, having it all and being it all. And for many, it's not a choice. You know, they have to go back to work full time simply to pay the mortgage. It's not a choice. But I think, yeah, the emotional cost is is really high have you ever felt you know that emotional cost that burnout I mean when I had Finn and you're absolutely right you know I went back to work when Finn was very young five months and I had a mortgage you know I have a mortgage but you know I hadn't there was no um I don't need to I had to I had to go back um and my mum looked after Finn um, and so my mum moved in with us Monday to Thursday. I worked from home on a Friday and which obviously um, resulted in I could do a drop off with him like a play group. He would go and play. I could work in the coffee shop around the corner until midday. We'd go home, have lunch. He'd have his nap. I didn't really work in the afternoons. I could manage my time. And then I'd work on Friday night to make up for it so I could be with him. But that was what I was juggling. It, you know, I have an amazing husband. I'm not going to knock him, but it didn't touch his world. He carried on. He didn't think about what that looked like. That was just me. I had to work out how to do that and how to block my diary on a Friday. And, you know, that that was because I was in a job where I could do that. By the way, if you're client-facing, customer-facing, 
you have no option to do that. So that's not even there for you. You can't do that. And so I already had, you know, a lot of optionality there. Um, But I had my mum living with us um, and my mum would, I was also aware that I was so grateful to my mum for doing it. You're so like that you almost want to do more because you're like, okay, so you feel guilty because you're not with your baby. You feel guilty because it's your mum. And you're like, okay, so I need to make this work. Burnout, my God, I was running on absolute empty. Plus, I needed to show that I was being a good mummy. So, you know, I wanted to play all the games and do the, you know, be poor Patrol and all these other things. You know, you're living that life. Um, and it was extraordinarily hard. I was very, very um, difficult. Plus, I'd got a new role at work. So I was trying to step into this new, very big role at work. I didn't want to become irrelevant or invisible at work. I was not getting the invites to after work events um, because she's she's got a baby now. She's, you know, and so you're walking this very weird line, which I hope is less prevalent, but you're pretending not to be a mum at work. And at home you're pretending that you don't work. So you're living this very weird, like duality. Um, And yeah, I felt very, very strung out and very um, unsupported. And I suppose with Nula, that was very different because I had to go back to work because it was my business. There were like, that wasn't even sure. There was no mat leave, right? I just had to carry on and she could come with me. And so that was a different kind of feeling of, you know, being very, very drawn out. My mum had become very ill, so she couldn't do it. She couldn't look after me. Um, And we made choices and changes and, you know, found amazing childcare. And um, that was a gift to us as a family, but still comes with huge amounts of emotional guilt too, of course. Yeah, and I really appreciate your honesty because I think just people hearing, you know, that internal experience, you've talked about that, you know, that guilt and running on nothing and having to juggle it. And, you know, I think it's that that we need to make more visible isn't it? That's what we need to make more visible because otherwise we compare, you know, our insides, how we feel to other people's outsides, how things look. Absolutely. I'm the worst offender for it, by the way. So you're not like, it's totally normal. We all do it, but you look at what other someone else is doing and you're like, well, I mean, she's nailed it. Yeah. You, know, you go to school drop off and you hear someone talking about, oh, yeah, you know, and mentioning some piece of work that they were meant to do over the weekend, which your child definitely has not done because you didn't read the 15,000 emails that are in your inbox on it. And you do feel like, well, she works. How did she didn't mess up? Why did I mess up? You know, we're constantly the narrative is you're not enough and we have to do a better job as a society as partners, as family, as best friends, as uh, social commentators to say you're doing an amazing job. What a powerful place to end. That was like a just gorgeous, 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 powerful place to end. You are enough. And um, you've answered this question before, but I suspect you might give a different answer this time, which is if you could give just one gift to all the mothers in the world, what would that one gift be and why? 
any access to childcare for use however they need or want to use it. It is the liberation. It opens so much, even if that childcare is for you to go and put your oxygen mask on and get a coffee on your own. Walk, get some air, do something that means that you exist. The only way we can do that is with childcare. One hour, five hours, doesn't matter, childcare. 100%, 100%. And where can people read? There was an amazing report that came out with the campaign. If people want to to go and look at the stats, like just go and look at the imagery because it's beautiful. Where can people find it? Yeah, if you go to um, peanut-app.io and search Invisible Mothers, you'll find it there. There's amazing research. The images are very, very evocative of how a lot of us have felt, I think, at various moments of this journey beautiful crazy journey of motherhood oh thank you michelle it's always a joy i love i love chatting thank you so much for your time thank you